In this week's episode, I'm going to be sharing some of my thoughts about getting rid of the templates and predetermined art activities, allowing children's creativity to flow. Hi, my name is Kimberly and I'm founder of Casey Consultancy, which is an international hub for supporting early years teaching, training and inspiration. And with all the work I do, I'm all about empowering early educators to be the very best version of themselves by creating that perfect blend of professional knowledge and development alongside valuing your well-being and self-care. So hi, happy Friday to you. This week has felt so autumnal, it's been lovely, been for lots of woodland walks and just embracing the season also enjoyed filling my home with pumpkins from felted pumpkins hung up on the branches of some plants inside to decorating pumpkins and putting these on display outside our home. So I hope that you're really embracing the loveliness of the season as well. Now in this week's episode I'm going to be talking about creativity and how we can reflect on some of the practice that we might be doing now or that we've been doing in the past few years and think about how we can take a shift in mindset and create something different, create something really beautiful. So children are so highly creative and they learn to express their world and what's around them in their own unique way from a very very early age. You know, we only have to sit and watch a child drawing, for instance, while looking after our friend's three-year-old in the summer. I'm going to call her Miss Three. We headed out for a walk around our local area, and Miss Three took great delight in noticing all of the butterflies and the bees on the plants. And then when we got back home, she sat happily drawing her own representation of the bee, showing me just how much she knew about the bee from our discussions together. And there are lots of opportunities here for us to introduce new vocabulary, which if you're teaching in the UK, you'll know this is a really big focus of the new and revised foundation stage curriculum. Um, and it was just so wonderful to see the different and unique ways that Miss Three captured her bumblebee. And she very kindly let me keep one of her drawings and let me frame it in my office. And she always loves seeing it when she comes round to visit. Now, unfortunately, I still see many schools, settings, home-based care, where adults are trying to stifle the creative freedom. And sometimes we don't even realise we're doing it. Or perhaps the way that we're teaching and the way that we're carrying out our earliest practice is something that we've just been doing for so long that it just feels like this is what we do and you don't really think about it. So, this might be that perhaps showing some two-year-olds how we expect their painting of a pumpkin to look and then only offering them one paint colour. Or perhaps it's setting up a craft station where all the children have to make a paper spider with pipe cleaner legs. You know what I mean here. Resulting in a collection of identical art pieces at the end. I remember, this is actually one of my earliest memories, and it stuck with me actually and it's from a time when I was about three or four years old it was Christmas time it was in the 80s and I attended a part-time preschool at our local church hall a few mornings a week 
And one by one, this particular morning, the children attending the preschool had been asked to decorate a card-shaped bell with paint. And I remember at the time choosing the colour yellow. It was my favourite. And then I'd spent time carefully filling the bell and just making sure it looked really vibrant and wow. And as I was painting it, I was thinking about my grandma and my granddad and how we would put this bell up on our Christmas tree. Now, once it was finished, this bell was placed on the drying rack and off I went to play. And at the end of the session, all our bell decorations were dry and they were ready to take home. I was so excited. And I had my grandma that came to collect me from preschool. And um, I was really disappointed because the practitioner handed over a pink and green bell. I said to her, oh, that's not mine. I remember that I did mine in yellow. And I can remember at the time being really upset about this. And the educator said to me, oh, Kimberly, they're all the same. It doesn't matter who you get. And for, for being a child, this, you know, as I said, it really stuck with me. And I remember this staying with me through my um, teacher training and all the experiences I had working with children after. I'm thinking I never want children to feel like this that I work with. I want them to feel valued. I want them to feel like we as adults are celebrating the work that they're doing, the individuality and the uniqueness of it. So there we go, just a little story to think about and to think about the sort of attitude doing activities like this can create, but also the way we handle it as adults as well. And you know, I've seen lots of other examples of this as well. You know, children that are given templates or outlines to colour in and make, or even using predetermined shapes in the craft activities. These stop us from focusing on the process of the learning and instead to give the child that message that the outcome is what's important here. When really, we can shift our practice. We can use this as a chance to talk to the children, saying things like, okay, so you want to make a representation of the bumblebee that you saw outside. What materials shall we use? And so we're opening up that opportunity to work in clay, to use paper, to use paint, whatever the child decides then we can start to say things like, well, what colours are going to work best here? What did you notice about the bumblebee? What patterns did you see? Um, what shape are you going to make its body? How would be the best way to create those stripes? And considering the creative freedom that we're offering within our enabling learning environment is really important here as well. So I talk a lot on my training about having that continuous learning environment, the everyday opportunities that children can go off into and do whatever they like there. There's that freedom through the open-ended resources, through knowing what's always going to be there for them to choose from. So, you know, can children go off into the Play-Doh area, the clay area, and make a spider in the way that they see it? Can they have the opportunity to problem solve how to attach the legs and maybe even use books to help them know how many legs the spiders have? And when we open up the learning like this, it also is irresistible. It creates so many opportunities to extend that knowledge, to challenge, to take it to a new level. 
Um, and it's also great for building those relationships with the children as well. And then when it comes to displaying our work, how are we documenting that process of the learning? How are we showing what led to that creation? Was it the fact that you did go for a walk and you noticed the bumblebee on the Berberis? Or was it the fact that the children were asking questions and then you went to the library and you found a book about something and this is their interpretation of the learning that they've discovered? So lots to think about here, but I really think we need to focus on that process of learning and you're going to learn so much more about the child in doing so, letting them know that you really value their uniqueness as well, because we don't all see the world in the same way. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast episode. I've had quite a few um, emails and DMs recently about lots of new listeners. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I would love it if you could leave me an honest review over on Apple Podcasts. Have a lovely weekend and I'll be back next week. Bye.